Hi, I'm Gary Nall. I'd like to welcome you to a continuation of our self-empowerment lecture series. These are simply ideas that I'm sharing. If you find they're reasonable, apply them. If not, let them go. There'll be others, and my hope is that the information acts as keys to open doors into our behavior, into who we are as human beings so we can evolve be more conscious of our choices, more ethical, more moral, more joyful, more creative, more loving, more expressive. So we're not holding back when we have something to say. We're not feeling that we're in an imbalanced relationship and therefore submerged in someone else's ego or needs. This particular lecture then will focus upon the idea of, it's a sequel to what I just finished, if you've watched it about what is the central meaning of your life, this is about who do I believe about everything? What do I mean? We've been led to believe, and I'm lecturing to a group here in this room. These are all people, uh, senior citizens, who are a part of an anti-aging study. And we're here for 60 days in quarantine. If you were to turn the cameras around, you see everyone has masks on and we have a state-of-the-art air filter, filtering and purifying the air with seven-stage filtration system. But no one's been sick. We've been here for a month, one more month to go, starting tomorrow. And we're vitally healthy, not just healthy, vitally healthy. And the reason we're vitally healthy is because we're making choices that are conscious. We want an outcome that honors us at every level. So if we're conditioned throughout our life to believe that the choices we have been making are the right choices, but we never look at the results. So what if we started off by reversing everything that we're taught? We look at the results, not the initial intent. We're going to bring freedom and peace and democracy to Libya. Well, what's, what's the outcome? What are the results? Did we bring peace and freedom? And No, we didn't. We brought massive destruction. Okay. But then what do we do with all these other countries around the world that wanted peace and, and to work with us through democratically elected governments? We undermine them. And if they, if they had resources or geopolitical leanings that we were opposed to. What about you going into an oncologist because you have cancer and you say, what are my options? Well, you've got three options. Surgery, okay, that's legitimate. Chemotherapy and radiation. And that will be your preventative to take the radiation. And that'll keep the cancer from growing back. Would you have peer review studies showing that the therapy you're giving me will really work? Uh, yeah, but I look at the literature and I don't see those studies. Take a look at colorectal cancer and the current therapies being used and you will not see statistically improved people. So what is not given credit is the person in anything. That's the irony. Isn't it amazing? We have created mathematical, pharmacological, and medical models, but we never include the person. Let me give you an example. Let's say it's flu season and one-tenth of the population gets the flu vaccine. At the end of the year, based upon how many people got the flu, we'll say that the flu prevented this amount of people from getting the flu vaccine, prevented that amount of people getting the flu. What about the people who were living in warm climates? Florida, Arizona, Nevada, California, Texas. They got a lot of sunlight, a lot of vitamin D. What about those that 
drink fresh orange juice every day or grapefruit juice? What about those that jog every day and de-stress? What about those who are retired and are not stressed because they have an income that they've saved? They're living in a community they're happy with. They have nice neighbors. They feel good about life for the next stage of that life. And therefore, they're aware that if they don't pay attention to their diet and exercise and stress management, they could end up getting sick and having a harder time getting well. What about prevention? And yet we give no credit to diet, de-stressing, exercise, quality of life, meaning of life, friends, sports system. None of that gets any credit whatsoever. If you didn't come down with the flu, 100% of the credits give it to the flu vaccine. That makes no sense. That's bad science. And yet that's what it is. If you are treated for cancer and you don't die, 100% of the credit goes to the treatment. Nothing to you. But we know from all the studies, multiple studies, that you're, the choices you make, the energy, the emotions, the positivity that you put into that getting well, it does count. We know that depressed people have a depressed immune system. And anxious people suffering from anxiety also have a depressed immune system. Hence, people who are depressed frequently make poor choices. And when you're making poor choices, you're going to be victimized by those choices. If you're depressed and you're eating a lot of sugar, uh, that, that's terrible for your bio, biochemistry. And what if you're eating a lot of fried food and you're gaining weight and you're becoming obese and you have diabetes and you have pain and you're depressed, you're far more likely to die. Now, what if on the other hand, you're a person that is making good choices, positive choices, because you want a good outcome. And you can't have a good outcome making bad choices. It doesn't happen. And yet somehow we're told your choices don't really matter. You don't matter. Nothing you do matters. You just happen to have the wrong genes. That's why you get heart disease, cancer, diabetes. They never, never want any responsibility to go choices we make. And we have a treatment for you. So 100% of the credit for anything that happens good goes to the treatment. But it's all false. Well, then are you going to take credit for the 500,000 people that died of cancer this year? The uh, 700,000 who died of heart disease and stroke and diabetes? No. So the irony of it is, they're like a major Wall Street corporation. When they make bad decisions consistently and their economy collapses, they're the ones never blamed and bailed out. Those small businesses that make good decisions, they're not helped at all. Where's the irony of this? So those who make the most mistakes, who have the most power, are never held accountable. They stay in power. Those who make good uh, choices, prudent choices, reasonable choices, and have good outcomes, they're never given credit for it. Shouldn't we be using the model of their behavior in running a small business or running your own life as examples of what could be done? The parent that has some standards, that doesn't try to become a friend of their child, who wants to hang out with the other children, and this is, going, this is massive, you know? Or the one that super controls, micro controls every single gesture coming out of that child's mouth. They're the helicopter parents. Now we got even a worse generation, the bulldozer parents. Because of their position in society, their wealth, they demand that their children, who may not have studied, may not be, um, let's say, intellectually capable, they're put into a university uh, that they didn't deserve to get into. We've seen that in the scandal, right? Well, first of all, the kids are the ones who should have opposed that. You know, we're going to go to this school and we got to pretend that you're on a rowing team. But they know they're not rowers. They're not athletes. 
What about all the people who came from normal working class backgrounds who did study, who did master a sport, and they're excluded because of how many people they're going to allow scholarships to get in there? That's a bulldozer parent. And these are people in the hedge funds, equity partners, the rich, the 10 million millionaires we have in America, the upper mobile professionals, the top end lawyers, doctors, engineers. These are the people who feel entitled to walk ahead of everyone else in line and, and say, get me seated now my family. The family learns these lessons and now they feel entitled. They feel entitled to no longer have to use politeness, manners, morals, etiquette, character, empathy. None of those exist in many of these parents' mindset because their careers, they're, all right, they're great white sharks, they're, they're looking for blood in the water. And so they're going to take advantage of everything and everyone to get ahead because somehow in their mind they're in security. If I get ahead, I'll make more money and I can have an even a better lifestyle. But what does a lifestyle have to do with quality of life? How about nothing? It's just stuff. Whether it's a bigger house, bigger car, more clothes, places to go vacation, it's just stuff. I can take peasants out of a field in Nepal that has one of the highest quality of life references in the world. I can go to Norway, Sweden, Switzerland, Denmark, higher quality of life, longer life, happier life, happier indexed people. We in America, happiness is not in our top virtues. And yet we think we can buy happiness and we can't. So think of the parent that thinks that the more they pay uh, to get their child something, an expensive tutor, and it's not just a tutor, it has to be the tutor, it's not just a nanny, it has to be the nanny, the one that everyone else wanted, but we paid enough to get that nanny. $100,000, and they'll brag about the price tag. Rich people, the moment today you become a professional, a lawyer, doctor, engineer, accountant, a business person, a professor, you should be required to wear an outfit every day, all day, when you're in public, similar to a NASCAR. It shows labels of who you paid and how much you paid for everything, and and that way we can, oh, you got into the Walton School, you got into Harvard, you got into, oh, you bought a building for, oh, <clears throat> wow. Your, your kids have got, they're four years old and they got designer jeans, $500, $500, my kids can afford $500 pair of jeans. Oh, my kids go to camp and we actually hire a chef to go to camp so they don't have to eat that camp food because we are now having our own chef. Well, someone else has a chef. Well, our chef was good. You got that chef? How much do you have to pay for that? $20,000 a week. We only paid twelve. Well, I hear there's a chef that will only charge $30,000. So we can now brag that, hey, we got enough money. So everyone knows we got the $30,000 chef and we don't want our kids in a tent. When I went to, I don't know what about you, when I went to Boy Scouts, we lived in a tent, right? And when it rained, we had to trench around it. Otherwise, everything was wet and smelly and soggy. And we ate whatever was there to eat, but now it's no, no, no. We, we, want our, we want our child to have the space. We want computers. We want games. We don't want their environment to be anything less than what they would have at home. And we don't want them riding on a bus with everyone else. No, they'll fly up in a private jet, and then they'll be driven by limo. But if the bus ride is only $40, and it's only an hour and 20 minutes north of New York City. True story, by the way. True story. No, you, we have to drive to an airport, a private airport, get on a private jet, drive to, fly to an airport that's an hour and a half away, and then drive in a limousine from there. 
all for the sake, which is a five-hour trip, all for the sake of being able to say, my kid went to camp and flew in a private chef and then flew in a private jet and had a tutor and everything. What do you think that does to a kid's mind? What do you think it does to their perception of the real world? You've immediately sealed off that child from early on. You're living in a bubble, and this bubble is an entitlement bubble. You're entitled to everything because we've made it possible for you to have everything because we believe we have everything. Now, we're not happy. We're never happy. Your mom and I, she's a lawyer. I'm a doctor. We're never happy. We gossip. We malign our neighbors. We have friends. Hi. I hate that guy. Hi. <laughs> right? Because we are unhappy because we feel there's something we're deprived of. There's someone who has something we don't have. My God, think of that. Now, yeah, I can, I can do a simple procedure, but that's not going to pay for that special trip we're taking. All right? So I got to do more. So we start over-diagnosing, over-treating, or taking advantage of people's naivety and in investing. You make an investment, you get a commission in and out of that sale. But are you putting that person in a position to actually risk losing their livelihood? Yeah, but that's, that doesn't bother me because I got to pay for a big rental out in Long Island in the Hamptons in the summertime. I have to show people I'm more than them. The school teachers, you know, there'll be 20 of them in a rental house. You know, the place will stink. The place will, you know, probably have bed bugs. They'll probably bring the damn bed bugs because they work at public schools. Do you really want a public school teacher hanging out with the Hamptons in your house? Absolutely not. Now, if you came from a private school, oh, that's a different perception. And if you're one of the top people, oh, that's different too. But if you're a professor and a tenured professor and you come, well, that's very special. But if you're the dean, that's very, very special. And if you own the hedge fund, so you don't need to be with anyone else, so you can have your own house or your superstar, you can rent on the house for $300,000 a month. But we can afford it. We're making $30 million a year. So what's that? It lets everyone know we're the ones who get the table in the little tiny Restaurants you'd never eat anyhow. <laughs> Food's not any better in any other restaurant. But we're all waiting in line with people we don't like, would never meet in real life, to show that we're the ones who are getting the tables in this little restaurant. And we're the ones who are invited to a party. And the Hampton parties are like the Hollywood parties. Everybody kisses the air, and then they look over someone else's shoulder to see who's more interesting than the person they're talking to in front of them. Oh, we're talking right now, ba 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 I'm really looking around the room at everyone else because you're really boring. And my God, the insanity of our social interactions, the falsity of it. But it's all this going on. Yet if you go out to Brooklyn and go in someone's backyard, people are communicating. People are having a beer. They're talking. They're doing a barbecue. There's actually an energy exchange. They don't want to be anywhere else. They like you. You're their buddy. You're their family. You're enjoying the authenticity of combining energies together for a wonderful experience. And yet everywhere else, People are not happy where they're at. They're agitated. There's got to be some better party, something more significant, because that's how they're known, by what they own, what they associate with, the money they make, what they buy, how much they spend. And that's over 50 million Americans in the professional class. You've got 17 million plus family members, 10 million millionaires plus family members. You're dealing with over 50 million Americans who are living in bubbles, they have a lack of empathy. They have a lack of society. They have a lack of concern about how they make their money because the end results are never what's challenged. How did you make your money? Did a forest have to be cleared so you could make 
money on soybean uh, futures of genetically modified soybeans? Did you have to destroy the Amazon, take the lungs of the planet and destroy it so you could make money off a deal? How much debt did you accumulate? What did that cause people? So you have gentrified a neighborhood in, in Brooklyn or gentrified a neighborhood in Manhattan or gentrified a neighborhood in, in Baltimore near the river or across from Windsor in Detroit. So now you have 10,000 people that can have shops and boutiques and movie theaters and restaurants and gyms and feel very good about themselves. What about the people that live there? Do you care at all about them? Is, is human suffering, human displacement at all in your mindset? The answer is no. No, it's not. And the media who are as much of dilettantes as the rest of the people and support that, they're never going to write those articles that show what happens when we don't look at the results of our choices. Does any of this sound familiar to you? Yes or no? Show of hands. Does this seem reasonable to you? Yes. Every hand in this room is up. We have professors here. We have teachers here. We have business people here. All walks of life. And we all experience the same thing. It's just we are afraid to call it out. We're afraid to give it a name. Why? It's relatively simple. And now I'm going to bring some pieces together to show you what I was just talking about, why we should pay attention. Because we've been conditioned to believe that we can only have one truth. That's it. One. One truth. Why one truth? Because that one truth is a truth that can be controlled by those people who are in the circle of the known. And I came up with this concept after watching some of my friends who were power players in Hollywood, one of the biggest agents and publicists in Hollywood history, and one of the biggest movie producers. They were both close friends of mine. And I also had experience in Hollywood where MGM and Newsweek both uh, got the rights to my Black Hollywood book to make it into it. That's entertainment, but that's black entertainment. Jack Haley Jr., the head of the studio, MGM, was personally going to produce it. So I've had experience. And, uh, and I saw what happens when people are told there's one truth, our truth, accept our truth, and you'll have a seat within the circle. Now, in that circle is the Business Roundtable, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderbergs, dozens and dozens, probably 200 other small groups. You're talking about maybe 10,000 people. You'll have the military industrial complex. You'll have Raytheon and Lockheed Martin. You'll have all of these military industrial complex people. You'll have the owners and the major stockholders behind uh, Pfizer and Eli Lilly and uh, Hoffman LaRoche, all the big pharmaceutical companies, they have a seat at the table. You'll have the food industry titans, uh, Hoffman LaRoche, no, excuse me, um, uh, you'll have uh, Dow and some of the others that are important to, they believe, the economy of farming by creating genetically engineered seeds or pesticides like glyphosate, like Monsanto. You'll also have the banking community. They have a seat at the table, probably 30 major banks like Dow, excuse me, uh, like Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan, Chase. Wells Fargo, they will have a seat. You'll have the major media, the seven major media corporations, like Rupert Murdoch, for example, or Disney, uh, Comcast, the people that own those major media outlets. You'll have the major radio outlets. They'll have a seat at the table. You'll have your private uh, 
you'll have your insurance industry there representing big pharma and the medical industrial complex. They make one third of that $3.5 trillion we're spending this year. And so they're there. Well, then they have to have spokespersons. They have to people defend some of the actions they take, which in and of themselves would be egregious and are egregious. So when you start looking at food, finance, education, uh, national security, um, all of these uh, big pharma, medical industrial complex, they're the people who have the seats. And behind them are the private families like the Waltons and others and, and, and uh, Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates, the people who have tens of billions of dollars, Michael Bloomberg. And they have a seat and all these people have something in common. They seek power. No matter how much you give them, they want more. And so they have been spokespersons. The policymakers are sitting at the table. The opinion leaders are standing back. These are your celebrities. These are the people they can hire to try to sell you that their choices are good, like vaccines are necessary, so get your vaccine. Buy this you know, item and get 2% return with this credit card. They're the people who tell you that you should be buying something, using something. They are the voices, the spokespersons. And they are then looked upon as these are the new, these are the new, let's say, heroes of our society, whether it's an athlete. And yet these are not the Willie Mays, Hank Aarons, the Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig's. These are not the people who at one time were our heroes that we could look up to. They were models of, of humility and great talent. They went back from you know, the Dodgers, Brooklyn Dodgers or the New York Yankees, back into Brooklyn or Bronx, wherever they came from, and go to their brownstone and sit on the stoop with their friends. They were respected, but they were friends. They were just normal people. Now all those people, the moment you become successful, you move away to where all the other successful people live. It's like we have a colony, and our colony is like a green zone. And if you're not famous or have a seat at the table or a spokesperson for the people at the ta sitting at the table, you're excluded. You can't get in here. Well, first of all, what do you think that does if you're the average person and you're excluded from everything all the time? You're never invited to anything, ever. You're never asked for your opinion, but you're asked for your vote. It's a pretext to one person, one vote, when we know that billionaires can buy elections and do. So then at some point, you have to at least awaken your consciousness that, gee whiz, this idea that there's only one truth, and it's the truth of who's giving you the advice and they're on that circle, because behind that circle of the medical industrial complex are all the doctors who are sitting in the bleachers behind them saying, you're the spokesperson for us. You tell us what medicine should be. If you don't want the patient having any say-so, tell us and we won't allow any patient input. We'll get them in, get them, get them diagnosed, get them a, a, a prescription, get them out. And then someone says, hold on, excuse me. What if there's more than one truth for everything? What if for every single person at this table and every single ideology and every single reality that you are supporting together, what if there's a non invasive, non-toxic, humanistic, moral, ethical, environmentally sound, sustainable solution that's over here. Will you acknowledge it? And the answer is never. Never, ever, ever will any institution or paradigm allow 
you to believe that their single truth is the only truth, just like an ultra-Orthodox religion. Our God is not your God. If you want to be a believer in our God, fine, but don't ask us to learn anything about your God, your belief. We don't care. So now, imagine as tough as it is to have a conversation about religion with someone who's ultra-ultra-Orthodox, you have ultra-ultra-Orthodox business capitalism. Everything comes down. Nothing comes down except oppression, exploitation, and demeanment, and the evisceration of a person's rights and what they stand for as human beings. So, one day you're saying, I heard that if I do A, B, C, and D, that I'll have a good outcome. If I start eating healthy foods, a plant-based diet, yeah, well, how many people are vegans? 3%, 3%. Well, how many people are actually eating healthy every day? 3%. 97% of Americans don't eat healthy every day. How many Americans exercise? Well, exercise to what degree? To get into shape? Are they competitive athletes or just exercising? That's important. What about de-stressing? What about meditation and yoga and Tai Chi and, and prayer and, and journaling and nature time as a way of de-stressing, bringing our cortisol down, bringing our hormones down that are stressed that can lead to heart attack and disease and damaging our arteries? And Seer, this single truth says, hold on a second, where are you going with this? Let's use an old CIA coined term, conspiracy theorist. Are you suggesting that if we start eating like a rabbit, plant food, that we're going to be healthy? That's nonsense. No, sir. We have hundreds of peer-reviewed studies published in PubMed showing you the benefit of eating more fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and reducing our meat and dairy and sugars. You have no studies on your side. There's no study showing that eating salami is good for your heart. There's no study showing eating pizza allows you to live a longer life. You have zero studies on your side. Zero. Not a single study in the scientific literature supports anything you are telling us. Everything you're about is a fraud. Oh, you're one of those people. Okay. Well, let's make some phone calls. We got another domestic terrorist here. One of these vegans, vegans are now domestic terrorists, environmentalists are domestic terrorists, human rights advocates, domestic terrorists. Hmm. People against 5G, domestic terrorists. People who don't want genetically engineered seeds, domestic terrorists. Ooh, people want us to eat spirulina, clearly domestic terrorists. Juicing, ooh, you mean I can't drink my alcohol and then go like this? Oh, God. Oh, God, I had that. Ugh, I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning. What's the point? Do you see anyone have to grimace or make a face when they have a glass of orange juice? I've never seen one take some apple juice and go, Oh, God, why'd I drink this? John Wayne wouldn't drink that apple juice, right? Am I going gay? <laughs> so, we are so screwed. Man, we're doing everything wrong. Everything, right? But we're the experts. Now, Dr. Schmuck here from Harvard, the schmuck from the schmuck, he's saying, eat everything in moderation. Oh, that's, that's so wise. Great oracle of all things. Can I eat pizza? In moderation. But I weigh 300 pounds. In moderation. My daughter, she weighs about 40 pounds. She's only four years old. In moderation. Alcohol, in moderation. Two drinks a day, that's moderation. 
I say, but I'm killing a million brain cells, heart cells, kidney cells, liver cells with every drink of alcohol, every single drink. I'm killing at least five million minimally cells. And these are not cells can be easily or ever reproduced. Moderation. Can I watch the Kardashians? Not so much moderation. And by the way, it's really bad because we know that viruses can live like the coronavirus about three hours in the air, more or less. And, but on surfaces, they can last three to seven days or longer. But now the Kardashians are terrified because viruses can last up to two hours on plastic. <laughs> they should never let me out of West Virginia. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? You make a sex tape, right? You market it, and now you're a billionaire, and everybody wants you at their party. What? Nobel Prize winners in peace? No, not so much. Right? Mother Teresa, forget her. She's in India someplace, dead. But even when she was alive, no. We Boy, we have some value problems. So just imagine this. The people in power only believe in one thing. Their truth then takes all other truths and collapses it. So what about if you're just an individual trying to decide what I should eat, what I should drink, how I should live? You're the minor or supportive energy because our conditioning has come from people who have indoctrinated generation after generation after generation. Get along, go along, be a part of the group. Don't individualize yourself because the moment you bring attention to yourself, then you're no longer a part of the consensus. We're all living the same way. We're all having the same values, the same virtues. So don't be the person that challenges it because they don't like challenge. Their egos are gonna hit you. And then the forces of all these people, they control everything and they never apologize. But I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I admit it. I'm sure I'm, I'm wrong. Clearly with all the murder and mayhem that, that uh, the CIA, National Security Agency, Defense Department, they've apologized multiple times, right? They apologize, right? For Vietnam, Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, they've apologized, I'm sure, somewhere, right? Somewhere, at some time, never, never, right? Wall Street's apologized, you know, for being wrong about everything that we should do, making capital for itself by not investing in factories that we once had, in communities that we once had, but rather investing in money and money, like derivatives. That's, investing in derivatives is about as smart as if Christopher Walken's character in the end stages of the Academy Award-winning film, Deer Hunter, where he's in a psych-on bar, doped out, spinning with a bullet and betting against him blowing his brains out. It's inevitable that 500 plus trillion dollars in derivatives that we are going to be responsible for if they lose. And one side is always going to lose. But we don't do anything. Because the group of power has convinced us that if you want to protest, collapse it. You want to show that we don't want these corrupt people in office, collapse that effort. If we want to have multiple parties, collapse that. Don't allow Ralph Nader, Rocky Anderson, Jill Stein in any national debate. If we want to have no debt and forgive all student debt, like they did with all the corporate debt, no, we only forgive one type of debt, and those are people sitting at the table. And do you take a look? Do you see any of 330 million people, average citizens, sitting at this table? No, you don't. 
So why would you want those people to have any influence? They have no influence. We have the influence, we have the power. But how defective we are as, as human beings, we're not models. We can Photoshop a person's character, not just their picture and their image. We can create artificial images. We can put them, I know what we'll do. We'll have everybody who's really a schmuck go out at, on uh, Thanksgiving and we'll take photographs and filming them serving some homeless people. Hi, you're homeless, oh. I can just imagine what it is, and here's, here's some food. Did you get that on film? Get it on film. Get it out immediately, get it, so that this actress actually is a human being, not a spoiled, dilettante, mindless, idiot, narcissist, egomaniac, who's so insecure, anything to draw attention to themselves, like Madonna in her bathtub with rose petals that she just filmed, and saying, we're all kind of the same, we're all in this together, we have to think of, and she's curled up, she's naked, but she's curled up, you know, and then you see that face and you think, whoa! Joan Rivers reincarnated. <laughs> there's, there's a no, it's kind of Michael Jackson and Joan Rivers. That's what Madonna looks like now. Jeez. Madonna, can you do any more Botox? <laughs> you gotta see this. It is scary. But she's, she's in her nice voice. You know, and she's looking down and out. Yeah, I, hey, hey, who am I to judge? You're probably right, Madonna. We're all the same. All over America right now, there are people who have got rose petals and a, you know, a million dollar bathtub. Yes, <laughs> God, and a cinematographer. And they're curled up in a little ball saying, we are all the same. I don't think so, right? But it's nice that you want us to believe you're a human being. Wow. And since when did any of these superstars of power and wealth, when did they take that wealth and power and rebuild communities, de-ghettoize places, build, build better schools, have places for homeless people, people who need help? When did they start looking into senior citizens who don't have enough money to buy food and see that there's a, a food co-op for senior citizens or a shopping service to those who can't get out. When? It never, it never happens. And the money they give, they frequently give it to their own foundations. So you see, what you have is you have multiple realities, multiple truths in all areas of life. And all those good and inspirational thoughts and deeds and actions by real people, they're always collapsed by the dominant power. And when dominant energy collapses all other all other efforts to share positive information, that just wipes it away. And so that's why paradigms don't change. The wealthy never surrender any of their wealth, the powerful never surrender their power, nor do they ever ask anyone who's not in their circle of the known to come in, have a seat. What's it like just being a regular human being? We don't know. You know we have limousines, we have helicopters, we're bulldozer parents, uh, we, you know, we have no standards. We never allow our children to fail. We never allow them to learn any hard lesson. Of course, our children all hate us, and uh, they're spoiled brats. Have you ever seen how children are portrayed now in any of the films? There's a series uh, that is on Netflix um, called The Colony. It's actually pretty well done. But the children in there are just, they're just the worst children you'd ever want. In fact, almost all the, like, all the children in all these films are just terrible representations. And they're not even aware that they're stereotyping them because that's not stereotyping. That's how these spoiled kids are. The director, the writer, the producers, the stars of these films, that's frequently how their kids are. Now you can have exceptions, absolutely. 
But ask one of these entitled children about the real world and how would you survive without mommy and daddy paying for your mistakes? And the answer is they couldn't. And that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for them because they're a victim of that. They didn't remember any child who is acting out, any child who is removed from empathy, any child that doesn't have any sense of the meaning of their own life. That didn't come in a vacuum. That came because someone else told them what to believe, what they should do, how they should live. And that's what they did with no consequences to making mistakes because there is always a power person dominating, collapsing the individuality. Anything that child wanted to do and wanted to be was collapsed under what the parents wanted and demanded for the sacrifices they were making for the child. So in effect, that child's not a real human being. The child is a trophy. See our child? Our child was soon cum laude, mountain cum laude, first in their class. And they had to work at that. I mean, it wasn't easy. We had to get them tutors. We had to get them coaches. We had to get them people to pre-test. We had to pay the teachers to make sure that they got A's, A+, plus, even A++. Plus plus. They couldn't be just a normal kid. Now they got a scholarship to Harvard. It had nothing at all to do with my husband, who's a hedge fund owner, building a new $100 million uh, building at Harvard. Nothing at all. And so they got into Harvard. No, they didn't have a good SAT, but we cheated. But it really wasn't cheated. We were opportunists because we're opportunists. And, and we hired someone who's a very bright guy, and that's good. And he made sure that their test scores were good. And we even kept him on retainer because there's so many of them, tens of thousands of people with advanced education, very smart, taking tests for kids who are dumb. But see, our kid got out and then went down to Wall Street. Hey, and now they were just one of about 50,000 other people who are young, four-point students from Ivy League schools, all in competition with one another. Now, we didn't prepare them for real life, and they're not going to go live in some apartment. We've got them a co-op. Of course, we had to. We had to get them a co-op in college. We couldn't have them in a dormitory. Bed bugs. So, you know, and you hang around with an average kid, you could dumb down. We don't want our kid dumbing down. Kid had an IQ of seven to start, <laughs> and we built it up to 11. That's something, isn't it? So this is the reality of over 50 million Americans. What do you think it does when people focus upon our media, our society, of the privilege of power? It means those who don't have power don't have privilege. They're left behind. So we're a nation that promises no kid left behind. We're leaving a whole society behind. Imagine that. We've left everyone who is just a decent, hardworking person. We've taken their jobs and we've said, we don't care how many people worked in this factory for how many decades, how many generations were supporting their local community from working here. That's going to China because it's the brand name that has the value. And we, if we can produce washing machines or bicycles or computers in China or India or Brazil or Bangladesh or Haiti, for one-tenth what it would cost in America because we don't have to worry about OSHA and environmental standards. We don't have to worry about overtime. We don't have to worry about sick pay and vacation pay. We can exploit people. And that's what we do when we're rich and powerful from Nike on. We are in the business of exploitation. We make the money. Who got the tax breaks? The rich and powerful. The people sitting at that table and they're there. And now they're going to get trillions of dollars. So now they're going to come in and do what has been done since J. Paul Getty back in the 1930s. They'll buy up cheap stock and buy up everything they can. They're going to be the new robber barons. So if you thought the Vanderbilts, the Swearingen, the Hills, the Goulds, the Mellons, and the Morgans um, were powerful, these people, these people are going to be 10 times more powerful. 
because there's a thousand times more of them. When you've got 10 million millionaires and you've got over 2,000 billionaires, and imagine some of those robber barons never made a billion dollars. Now, if you adjust for the value of money back then, back here, yeah, you had some rich people. The richest of all would have been John D. Rockefeller. But now look at the richest people, and Jeff Bezos dwarfs that substantially. And they have more influence over people's direct and immediate lives. So when you wake up in the morning and your child has got diabetes and arthritis and heart disease and they're seven years old and you're feeding them a sugar-coated cereal, that didn't come because you were part of natural selection. That came because of Edward Bernay, the father of propaganda, started propagandizing people of how they can condition you to buy anything, eat anything, drink anything, and feel good about it. So along with that came the idea of you deserve your comfort. As a result, the dominant energy in everything we do and every decision we make is comfort. Well, what I'm about to do make me uncomfortable. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I want comfort in everything. Can I pay you to go run the marathon for me? So comfort and the choices we make. And always when we make the choice, the energy of that choice is coming from the dark side and down. It doesn't allow the authentic self and the positive energy to rise up. But in every human being, you're born with only positive enlightenment. You're never born negative, never born toxic, never born depressed, never born anxious, never born greedy, never born selfish. Children love to share with one another. It's a natural inclination of people to share and care and love. Even in orangutans, they will share food. It's a unique concept when you see an animal sharing their food with another animal. Now, there are Americans who have spent their lives sharing and caring. And the last generation to do this in mass was the greatest generation, our parents' generation. And they learned cause and effect. Good people make good choices. Bad people make bad choices. Smart people make smart choices. And, and stupid people make stupid choices. But when we have good people making bad choices, smart people making stupid choices, why don't we call it for what it is? They've gone from the light side to the dark side like that. And then whatever works for them, that's what they keep, that becomes the dominant energy. So if you're doing something by taking shortcuts, in that moment it's working for you. If that drug is suddenly giving bliss so you don't have to face any of the circumstances you can't change in your life, then the drug creates that little peace, that little oxytocin, that little feel-good moment. If alcohol blurs your sense of of stress, so it's back in the background, the stress, and what's here now is kind of this like little, little mixed euphoria, or the cocaine, or the crack, or the heroin, and now you're living in this kind of la-la land. So what's going to dominate? The real world and crisis you cannot handle because you haven't been prepared for it? You feel circumstances are beyond your control? You feel other people's egos are dominant over your silent ego, so you suffer in silence, you turn your anger and pain against you, you turn your DNA off position, you engage in petty gossip and talking and watching and sublimating your angst and your incompleteness, your lack of meaning and purpose in life, your incapacity to network with good people, to have a good support system, you're afraid to start over because you're told you'll never be able to start over and succeed, You've worked this hard and still there are things that are the big empty. You feel empty after working a whole lifetime. What's missing? What's wrong? Because the dominant energy is not the spiritual, the enlightened, the creative energies that we all have. The mindful energy 
the moral energy, the equation that I can't take food from your table and feel good about myself, yet Wall Street does it every second of every day. So now, the good that you wanted to be is collapsed by the social conditioned self that is selfish, isolated. I'll show you how it manifests. I did a film called Poverty Inc. It took seven years. I started at 19, uh, 2008 and I finished it around 2014. And it took so long because things kept changing. And I kept thinking, ah, oh, I interviewed Michael Hudson, Professor Michael Hudson, probably five times. Greg Pallas and others. Some of the finest minds in America were in this film explaining why we have this poverty. And we have poverty for one reason. Because the people who were the leaders of society, the dominant alpha male and females and in the industries that they are controlling, led us into buying things that we couldn't afford. So they could even have more money. The liar loans, the subprime mortgages. There was no sense that we shouldn't buy what we can pay for, we should buy what we can't pay for because debt is relative and if the government can never pay off its debt, and it can't, and American corporations can't pay off their debt, they don't have to, they'll be bailed out, then what's so bad? I'll just get another credit card and pay this bills with that bill and then I'll get another credit card. Some people had as many as 15 credit cards. It's called kiting, paying one bill with another credit card then paying that bill with another credit card and that bill so you can stretch it out over several months. So you get the illusion that you own something and you own nothing. We were told that our mortgages were great because you bought a house at $200,000 and now five years later it's worth $300,000. You got $100,000 to spend there. Go to Cancun, buy yourself a new Cadillac Escalade, buy some, you know, refurbish, put another game room in the back of your house and people did it in mass because they were encouraged to. We have money for you. We have money for you. Your credit doesn't matter. And so people were not sophisticated believed in these people. And because they believed, they trusted. And all that was ultimately taken back because once you had that extra mortgage, you now owe the banks 300,000. And the idea is it's going to keep going up, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it going to go up? Isn't it? No. It collapses. Every bubble collapses. The tulip bubble collapses. All bubbles collapse. Personal safety bubbles collapse. All these, all these people who are rich today, I happen to know something that no one has talked about. Someone I know, <clears throat> someone very influential in their field of money management, recently told me that a phenomenon is occurring that he had never expected, never seen before. Those people making one to five million dollars a year, and that's his general client base, that's excluding their real estate. Uh, they're spending everything they make. So if they're making five million, they're spending five million. And they now are cash trapped. So now they're asking him to sell things. And he said that he got a watch, a nice beautiful Rolex watch that a man said he bought for his wife in Las Vegas for $67,000 and he went out to price what he could get for it. It was about $9,000 to $11,000. So the guy was angry. What do you mean? I paid sixty? He says, you can't, you can't say what you paid for is what you should get for. You bought wrong. And so instead of saving money, we're spending it. And we don't have, we, 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 the idea is let's support those people who benefit from what we buy instead of saying, how wise would I be if I save this for some emergency? We don't think there's going to be an emergency. How could there be an emergency? Well, now you see that emergency. You see how many millions of people have lost their job. 20 
2 million and counting as of today. That's 22 million who were working three weeks ago. And how many, over a million small businesses. These people are not going to come back to work. A, their businesses are going to be closed down. They're bankrupt. They were working on debt to begin with. Major corporations can survive because the government's going to bail them out. It always does. It'll tell you that it's going to support you. It won't. It never does. They lie. So the very people controlling every part of our lives, our belief systems, the certainty of our being, are people who only use us and exploit us. That's the truth. I wish it were otherwise. And so they give us things we don't need, and they give us things that are dangerous and toxic. They completely exploit our environment. They exploit our health. They exploit our children's health. They exploit senior citizens' health. And yet you'll still go back and vote for them. So what does that say about you? You'll put money in their bank. You'll buy their designer clothes made by slave labor in Bangladesh. What does that say about you and your responsibility? But you see, when you're on the dark side of your being, when you're coming from your epigenetic conditioned self, you're maladapting to every circumstance. You're not exceeding. You're not transcending a crisis to learn its lessons. You're adapting to the crisis. And when you adapt to a crisis, there's no way out. All doors are sealed. You're supposed to exist in this dank, dirty, fetid environment. And, but the people who are rich and famous, no. They're never touched, nor will they be because they have captured everything that is a power center in our lives. So they're listening to your phone calls, they read all your emails, you didn't give them permission, but they take it. They are not held accountable. Nobody goes to jail for that. No matter what laws they breach, no matter what standards they no longer maintain, those in power rule. And until such time that you shake yourself out of this and start to become proactive in your own life, by changing, transcending your old conditioned self, then by changing, by saying, no, I'm going to vote not for the lesser of two evils. I will not vote at all because that is then to abrogate my vote. I want to only vote for those who are ethical, honest, honorable, and will care for all people in the right way without concern for their own financial or political interest. I will only eat that which empowers me. I will have support people in my life who support me and they will have to have a standard they accept me as a human being, not someone that I have to change to honor what they expect from me. And that means at some point we're going to have to start dropping the responsibilities that we have been taking for granted. I've got to be responsible for this, I've got to be responsible for that, and one day you have no time for you. You're so responsible for everyone else, there's no time for you. So now is the time to be responsible to yourself. And you can't be responsible for yourself if also you're responsible for the existing system that controls everything in your life. It controls what you watch on television, on the internet, on newspapers, and all that is biased. All of it. I wrote an article about how biased the media was. You know, and uh, officially sanctioned pimping. That's the media today. And I can show you another side to every story they're promoting. But I'm not the power person. They are. And they don't allow anyone to sit in their circle of power that will threaten the system. You can be extreme in any way you want. You want extreme hairstyle? Fine. You want extreme lifestyle? Fine. You want extreme house? Fine. Just don't threaten the power system because then you're out in a heartbeat. So the scientists, the journalists, the teachers, the educators, the uh, investigators, the activists, they're all considered a threat to the status quo, even though the truth is in their hand 
and deception and illusion is in the corporate hand, the corporate collapses. So no one else who has the truth has a form to share that truth. So what if you have the truth and nobody will listen? What if the average person, you go door to door and say, you know something? You shouldn't be eating this food. It's causing disease, diabetes. And the person opens the door and they're morbidly obese with diabetes, depression, heart disease. They say, well, well that, my right. It is your right, friend. But when you get sick and you can't afford the medical bills, is it my right to say I don't want to help you? Or is it my concern that I want to help everyone so you don't get sick? So the very people who are doing wrong and every choice they make are doing wrong because they have accepted to being a subordinate energy with the dominant energy. All things in moderation. What about a poison? In moderation. Right? What about cyanide? In moderation. Mercury? In moderation. What about hate? In moderation. Prejudice? In moderation. Racism? Moderation. Because once you open the door that moderation in all things is acceptable, you have to think of the unintended consequences of what that opens up for you. Is bias, prejudice, racism, misogyny, is that acceptable in any quantity? No. But if the dominant theory is that people are going to not live at the higher level of their spiritual, intellectual, emotional, and creative and humanistic uh, capacity, then everything comes down to the corporate level of ethics. And the ethics in corporate America are absolutely trash. They are garbage. Washington, D.C. is not a swamp. Swamps are living, dynamic ecosystems. There's a difference. They're a sewer, an overflowing septic tank. It's that simple. Washington is just a shitville, and everyone in it. No matter what you do, you're a part of it. But you don't mind because everyone has immunity from stink. So they spray themselves with the illusion that they're like a rose. And they live in this illusionary world. And the entitled live in an illusionary world. And those, the helicopter parents, and the bulldozer parents, and the politicians, and the media, all the people sitting at the table or living off that table, they live with illusion. So their whole dominant energy is illusion. Power, and, power overcomes insecurity, and yet all the powerful people are grossly insecure. That's why they need more power, more control. We, on the other hand, have almost no power over our lives. And hence, we abrogate control to them. You tell me what school I should go to. You tell me what classes I should take. You tell me how my kids should teach to the test. You tell me, uh, you tell me what I should drink. You tell me where I should live. You tell me, and suddenly, everything in our lives are being dictated by the very people who don't care about us, except we maintain them in power. So you see, you have to understand that you cannot honor the dominant power and honor the authenticity of the uniqueness of your own being. So which do you give the power to? The illusion that you're incapable of change or the capacity to change and go through that rough period, go through that embarrassing period of thinking about how many choices did I make that were wrong choices? Yeah, so we make wrong choices. But what if you started today write a new story? and put down new ideals, and you wrote them out. Here are the things I no longer want to be responsible for. So write them down. What responsibilities do you not want to have any longer? And then why? And then suddenly you think, my God, I've been, I'm the only one who cooks the food. I go buy the food, I cook the food, and I clean up after them. And it's become a ritual. They eat, 
they go to the, go in and lay down or go watch television or computer. And I'm, this is my ritual. Why? Why can't they go and do the food and do the... So we've got to stop these ritual responsibilities that are not, are not authentic for the moment we're in, no matter what they were in the past. Then make a list of all the responsibilities you do want in your life. I want to be responsible for exercising every day, reading every day, something that challenged me, being creative every day, being spiritual every day, helping someone who needs it. Let me go to a food bank and help them. Let me go to a homeless shelter and help them. Helping people should be a part of our responsibility in life if we're connected. Subordinating your ego to the, to the reality of the moment you're in so you're not making ego decisions, which are almost always highly defensive and very mercenary and, and aggressive. And then decide what truth you want to abide by. The corporate truth, which controls everything, the body politic, industry, everything, or individual truth. And then seek your individual truth, wherever it is. But understand in seeking the truth, you're surrendering the conditioning that allowed them to lie to you. And that takes me back to when I was out filming Poverty, Inc. And what I found was there were about seven million more or less homes that were foreclosed on. And it's a ritual that, you know, the, you, get a, you get a repossession notice and you get so many days to vacate. And then that morning, you know, some deputies come out and they give you like an hour to get out of the house and people haven't prepared. They never thought that day would come, but it's here. And now they're scrambling. They don't know what to take. They're in panic. They're highly stressed. And all the stuff goes out and is in the lawn. That is for anyone to take or it gets garbaged. And then people have nothing. Now, here's the problem. If you think about three people for home, it can be more or less. And there's seven million, that's 21 million people are made homeless. But we were told there are only you know, 50,000 in an area. No, those were people in shelters. Those were people who could be physically counted. These are people couch surfing. Now they're a brother, sister, mother, in-laws. They're in someone's basement sleeping on a couch or in someone's garage where they made up you know, a garage so people could you know, hang out there for a while. There's people living in their cars or motels. And I traveled around, I found these people. I found people, regular people, people who had worked at NASA, now homeless, living, and they lost all their money, all their savings, because they didn't want to change their reality. They thought things will get better, and it didn't. And the guy said, well, I didn't, you know, I was making 150000 I didn't want to give up, so I waited to get a $150,000 job. What I didn't consider is that there were thousands of other people who also were making big money, who also had the same degrees, and we were all working uh, towards getting another job, and yet there were no jobs to be gotten. So when I could have taken a $40,000 job, I didn't. Now I'm taking a $10 an hour job washing cars in a car laundromat. Reality, that's a true story, by the way. And so when you realize society is not going to change for your benefit, you have to change for societies. Then you go back to Thoreau, who said you can be a good person or a good citizen. He chose to be a good person because he had some freedom to look for the truth. So where are we looking for the truth? And we have what I call intentional neglect, where we intentionally neglect that which will actually liberate us, empower us, help us, heal us. And instead we stay in the intentional ignorance. We don't want to know the truth because then we'd feel guilty if we didn't act upon it. So what we don't know, we're not responsible for. 
So with intentional ignorance, there's always unintentional negative consequences. We will ultimately pay a big price for our intentional ignorance. But with intentional ignorance, we pay a big price too. We can no longer live with illusion because we see the truth. It's there. Our intent to find the truth has led us to the truth. Now we have to be bold enough to surrender all the perceptions that held us captive to the conditioned mindset of being a good citizen, living by consensus, not truth, consensus. And how often is consensus right? It's almost always wrong. The individual can liberate themselves. Society cannot. Hence, all their neighbors, the very people, and I filmed them, the very people who would watch across the street, look through the blinds as the you know, people that their kids had gone to school together, they picnic together, they traveled together, they had barbecues together, they hung out, they celebrated each other's birthdays together. Now they're not, they're not even going out to say, hey friend, can I help you in any way? You know, I see you got all this stuff, you want to store it in my garage? Nothing. Nothing. Wow. Boy, did that tell me what was lacking in the average person's consciousness. Empathy care for the other. And all across America, you didn't have a single demonstration against homelessness. The 21 million who lost their homes, not a demonstration. You didn't have a demonstration against Wall Street. You didn't have a demonstration against the failed educational system. Teachers didn't demonstrate. You didn't have, a te you didn't have students or teachers protesting the $1.6 trillion debt of students. Well, why not? because there's no sense of the, of the common denominator of let us empower each other to get change. So, we use, we use false, empty euphemisms. Change we can believe in. What exactly does that mean? It means nothing. It means we believe in you, and you believe in corporatizing everything, and privatizing everything, and hiding everything, and no transparency, but you have a nice personality, so we'll, we'll elect you. American can be counted upon for one thing. They will never elect a spiritually minded person. It terrifies people. Because that person wouldn't be compromised. So everyone in positions of power has been compromised. Everyone. Because you know what the truth is at the authentic level, but your condition level says, but you know, I deserve. And as a result, you feel entitled to use your power in whatever you want. You didn't see George Bush or Barack Obama or Bill Clinton. None of these people coming forward saying, you know, I made a huge mistake. That's on me. I cannot leave office and then profit off having been in office by all the people who I greenlighted projects, greenlighted reduction of their, their commitment to uh, doing something right. They did something wrong. I took away the punishment for them doing something wrong. They're paying me back by giant fees for lecturing about nothing on Wall Street or anywhere else. That's the pay to play that goes on. So how do we change this? Understand something this simple. See, here's the solution. Before you make any decision, go to neutral. Go to neutral, step back and be in neutral and say, what is the likely outcome of the choice I'm about to make? Is it positive and sustainable or is it limited and non-sustainable? And the one thing that I see that makes a difference is you have to be mindful. You have to be in that mind space where you're looking for the truth, not something to defend your ego, your conditioning, your belief system, or your reality. In effect, you have to deconstruct 
all of these to see the truth or lack of truth in any single choice you make. And then ask yourself, based upon my current self and my conditioning, what will limit me? And almost always it's your constraints. If you ever want to know how far someone will go in life and how successful they'll be, look at their constraints. If a person's disease and they make the disease and the suffering and the pain more important than the essence of their life and the legacy of their life, then they, they're living as a disease with a disease mindset. If someone is insecure, then every choice they make will be based on being insecure. They'll never make the right choice. They'll know what it should be. They won't have the courage to make it. They won't even look for a support system that allows it because they're afraid of losing what they have because we've been told so often the most important thing in life is what you've accumulated. So if you've accumulated an ego, if you've accumulated a reputation, if you've accumulated some possessions, you have to maintain those. So your whole life then is just maintaining what stuff you got. And that means that that's a heavy burden to bear. Then where's the freedom to be free, to flow, to try, to experience, to go to other cultures, to go around the world, to see how other people live and what lessons you can learn. There's no time for that because you're spending all your time trying to defend the merits of the choices you made even when those were not the right choices to have made. So, which truth are you going to allow? The corporatized, homogenized, blandardized, and total control truth that gives you the truth so you don't have to ask. They tell you what the truth is, but it's all lies. Or the truth that you allow to come in to make individual choices based upon reason, good science, common sense, intuition, and allow that old mindset to be collapsed so the new self emerges. Thank you all.